Every day we take our lives into our own hands when we consume vitamins and supplements. By not knowing the right ones to take or when, we could be doing a disservice to our health, or even worse, could be endangering it. Welcome to your Daily Dose with Doreen Doucette. Now you have a resource to help you use supplements, vitamins, and natural health more safely and effectively. Here is your host, Doreen Doucette. Good morning and welcome to your Daily Dose. I'd like to welcome back Jane Lawson of Natural Approach School and Therapies. I spoke with Jane a couple of weeks ago regarding essential oils and the proper use and safety of them. And today, I do believe, she has just returned from Wales where she was teaching some of her courses over a three-day period. Good morning, Jane. I hope you're back. I hope you're well. And I hope you're ready to give us a lot of information about the theories and the the courses that you've been teaching um, over in Wales. Well, it's good evening from here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah. I've just had a, a bit of a journey back from South Wales because we've got some storms brewing over here in the UK. But uh, yeah, I'm here. Fire away. Okay. Well, the first thing is I was even speaking with um, the massage therapist who works from my clinic. And he's he's actually from the largest city that we have in Nova Scotia, Halifax. And I asked him if he had heard of any of these therapies that you offer. And the first one, I think I'm pronouncing it properly, Lomi Lomi body work <laughs> yeah lomi lomi if you're welsh lomi lomi you know you can you can pronounce it both ways i'm glad you've actually brought this one up um this massage i take it you want me to explain what it is and where it comes from oh, and all yes rest. yes please okay so lomi lomi is the name that's given to a hawaiian style of massage um and Basically, it's known as Lomi Lomi. I'll say Lomi Lomi. Okay, yeah. so forgive me for that one. Okay. And just to explain, it's been westernized in the sense that it's called Lomi Lomi. Now, back in Hawaii, Lomi Lomi basically means it's it's almost like um, for your listeners that are familiar with Reiki therapy, for example, or Reiki healing, okay? So you get the different levels. You get level one, two, masters, and then teacher. So Reiki one is taught at a level where you can just practice on family and friends, not as, if you like, a professional so that you can charge for it. So back in Hawaii, Lomi Lomi is what they do within each household, It's a form of massage. It has no set structure. It has no set script, as we call it, in um, Western massage techniques, if you like. Um, And it's something they do at home. What I actually teach is the next level up from that, which is basically kahuna bodywork. So it's not what you see on YouTube, you know, the long flowing movements and the hand sort of vibrating a little bit and all that kind of stuff. Okay. It's more involved in that. And I think you saw one of the short videos I did, didn't you? I think I I I did. I think it's uh, someone is actually on the table. Is that's that, right is that the one yeah yes showing a bit of her bottom yes yeah yeah but <laughs> the, ther- the, the therapist is actually has her knees on the table as well does she not that'll be me yes okay yep so what happens with lomi lomi the actual body work part of it which is the next level up like i said the whole principle behind this massage technique is it's it's is it it, it For me, it's the best massage. It really, really is because it encompasses the emotions, the mental and the physical. And within our our physical being, if you like, when we experience all kinds of emotional stressors, they will settle in certain parts of the body, causing, say, like a stiff shoulder or a tightness around the hip area, you know, so you're not as mobile as you were or dysfunctions of some sort. The other thing behind the whole massage is when you start speaking with the, with the client, you want to find out not so much where they're at, but actually how they want to feel, how they want to be. Okay, Okay. so it's a very energetic form of massage because then you you get the client, if you like, and trying to keep this as simple as possible because it's not something that you just learn like that. Mm -hmm. It, It 
there is a lot more involved in it. Um, so when the client lies down, they are focusing on how they actually want to feel. Now, what happens on an energetic level then, wherever the stress is held in the body, that is where you will start massaging. So sometimes you might find that you're drawn towards a shoulder, but the other shoulder doesn't need to be touched because that's exactly perfect as it should be. And stress is a little devil because it'll keep running around the body trying to hide from you. And you keep going, you keep massaging. So you can massage under the body of the person. It's very manipulative. It involves leverage. It involves stretching. So you're moving the arms and the legs around into positions that they wouldn't normally be in, perhaps. Um, and the minute you start feeling a tension when you're moving something around, you, you backtrack and then you move forwards again. So... For example, if somebody's lying face down and, and normally people would have their arms either hanging off the edge of the couch or down by their sides and say, for example, you're dealing with a shoulder, you slowly start moving it. It's literally you take in the earth, air and fire elements. Mm -hmm. So the movement you're doing is like the sea, if you like. You, you, you're moving it in, in wave-like motions. So you're gradually moving the arm because the objectivity maybe is to get the arm outstretched above the head. But the minute the tension comes in, you backtrack. Your other arm is maybe loosening up the shoulder, moving the shoulder around. And gradually, before the client knows it, their arm is up above their head. The traditional way of doing massages, of course, you will go in there, you'll find the knots behind the shoulder blade, you know, and you will, you know, like with sports massage or deep tissue massage, certainly over in this country will say oh we're just going to pop this bit you know and you put yep. pressure on either through the elbow through the thumbs etc whereas actually when you start moving the arm uh, you know and if you're telling that client right, I'm just going to place your arm here because I need to get underneath your shoulder blade they automatically help you to do that and the muscle is triggered to move so the tension is already there as you're putting the arm, say, placing it sort of elbow bent with perhaps the, the hand on the back of where the kidneys are. Okay. Because when I was really watching... the radio. <laughs> when I was um, watching the, the, uh, the little clip that you have on Facebook, I do believe, it seemed yeah. that you were using more of your forearm than your actual hands. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And the whole point of that is, so you get these long sweeping sort of movements, but actually, as you're releasing tension and stress into the body, we all know, don't we, we could, you know, you, you meet somebody and before they've even said anything, you can almost pick up on their energy. You just know there's a funny feeling coming off somebody, yes. like negativity, if you like. Yep. So what the hand is actually doing, when you see the hand rotating or fluttering, if you like, you know, like the wings of a bird, when that negative energy comes out into the person's body, when the tension is released, it goes out, if you like, into their auric field. So it's the hand that is sweeping that away, if you like, out of the aura as well. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep, it yeah? does. Can, also, can it's you... not your arm that's actually moving. Your hand is guiding where the arm and how the arm needs to move around over the body. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that you don't use your hands on the body, but that is one of the ways that you, you part of the whole body work that you do. Okay. I found it very interesting. Can you um, give our listeners the, the place where they should go if they want to watch this little clip that you do? Uh, they can pop on my um, business page on Facebook. I think there's some clips on there. Okay. If they go into the video tab, they should some some of them should be in there. Okay, and it's under Natural Approach School and Therapies. That's the one, yeah. Okay, I yeah. can also put a link to it on my page as well. Oh, that's kind of you. Thank you. Yes, because I found it quite interesting, and like I said, even the massage therapist who was working out of my clinic, he had never heard of this, so he's he's yeah. looking forward to hearing about it, and I think I'll I'll send him the little clip as well. Another uh -huh. one. I, I just very quickly I just want to emphasize if people go look put in Lomi Lomi 
on say like youtube you see these beautiful massages and they do they look absolutely fantastically relaxing and stuff like that but please remember that's more of the style that families practice within the homes and it's passed on through the family you know if you want to study the actual kahuna bodywork, that takes a you, you know that takes quite a bit of time because there's lots of principles and energetics behind it. Okay, is that what you were teaching over in Wales this weekend? No, I wasn't actually. I was, I was teaching. Um, it's my student that's doing her clinical aromatherapy. So within that, in the UK, um, the standard massage for that one is manual lymphatic drainage massage. Okay. So it's purely for the lymph system. Okay. You also have um, a metamorphosis theory. Therapy. therapy. Sorry, therapy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that has its origins, if you like. It's a combination between Robert St. John, who devised metamorphosis as a form of therapy, and then a part of it called metamorphic technique, which is now trademarked, so I've got to be careful what I'm saying, um, was then developed um, by Gaston St-Pierre. Um, so he took basically a part of metamorphosis and use this part of the therapy. So metamorphosis therapy, which I teach and I practice, obviously, is a combination of both their works, but taking it higher again. Um, basically, what it does, it through application, through what we call through the spine or through the spine reflex of the feet, because now we get into the realms of reflexology a little bit, but also this is the spine reflex around the skull. So by applying a technique, this is the actual hands-on part of it, our spine acts as a computer data bank. So it records everything from the point of conception to the point of birth, then there's another layer where it's from um, birth to your present day, if you like. So any trauma that you experience, like I, I said about the Lomi Lomi or any kind of body work, any kind of stress that we get conditioned to, you know, um, and I'm not talking about huge traumas either here. There are conditions that we build up around ourselves as our own self-defense mechanism, if you like, and they create blockages in the body. And that the spine or the spinal reflex acts like our computer data bank and it's stored in there. So applying a technique can release those um, conditions, if you like, and what triggered those con the, the conditions and the patterning that we grow up with. Um, so you, you, you can go right back to childhood. And as we know, even babies, you know, if mother suddenly has um, a trauma or, you know, an upset while she's pregnant, baby registers it as well. Those who are open to that know that they just do. Um, and that can be brought forward from conception, you know, while you're in vitro into your current life and pattern you so the technique releases that so beyond that it's much more than that because you can work out roughly from the length you know along the length of the spine from the point of birth to however old the person is right now roughly when something has happened to them because you feel an again an energy block mm -hmm. And you can say to the client, you know, okay, something happened when you were about 15. Sometimes you'll get an inclination, you'll get a feeling because you become like one with the client in the same way as you do with Lomi Lomi massage. And sometimes you can get, you can pick up an idea of maybe what's happened, but you've got to be really, really careful because you could be opening a Pandora's box, mm -hmm. you know, and you've got to have the know-how and the skills to know how to deal with that with the client. How long did it take you to learn to do this therapy? Well, the whole set, when the actual technique part, I probably spent, I think going back, you're asking me something I did 30 years ago now. Um, <laughs> oh, it must have been, I, I did it originally as part of my clinical aromatherapy course because I did all my studies up in Scotland. Um, so I did it as part of my clinical aromatherapy course and I think we took about two, three days 
to do that part of it. Then I went off to the Scottish School of Reflexology and I incorporated, I learned an awful lot more of that as well. Now, both my teachers have both trained as well with Gaston Saint-Pierre down in London anyway for the actual technique part. But when I went to um, the Scottish School of Reflexology to learn more and more and more, obviously, as you do at that stage, um, Douglas Bell brought in wonderful techniques from polarity therapy, polarity healing, as they call it, um, and it was built on on that. And then obviously with my 30 years worth of experience and clinical experience with it, I've now developed into what I call the metamorphosis therapy. So on average, I know that everyone is different and they're in a, an individual, but on average, about how many treatments do you expect a person to have to go to go through this? Oh. Are they going to notice okay. a big difference in one treatment? Yes, they can. Yes. How long is the treatment? It, that, again, varies. It's, it's a bit like how long is a piece of string because it depends what you're actually dealing with. Yeah. You know, you deal with everything from sexual abuse to just, I don't know, something. You know, the top, the top three stresses in life are, you know, moving home, the loss of a very close relative, you know, and divorce. They classify those, if you like, in conventional medicine as the top three main stressors. But then you, you're talking about things that have impacted on people, like, say, some form of um, abuse, whether that's sexual or physical or bullying, you know, that kind of thing. Um you know, within the loss of a close relative, it could be somebody who's actually committed suicide. You know, that's that's different again to actually somebody, maybe an elderly relative who has an illness, who has died. You know, it's part of life. We sort of expect that. But then when somebody suddenly maybe commits suicide, that's an even bigger trauma to try and deal with, isn't it? Mm -hmm, absolutely. So the length of the treatment is the same with Lomi, you see. A Lomi Lomi treatment could be anything from... 45 minutes, the longest I've ever worked on somebody until their body told me, go away, Jane, I've had enough, stop. The person isn't saying it, the body is saying stop. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with metamorphosis because you can't allow the ego to come in. As, a, if you like, almost a conventional therapist, bodywork therapist, you can say, I can fix this shoulder, I just need to go a little bit longer and I can I can get this muscle straightened out or the fascia really straightened out, smoothed out, da da da. But the problem is if there's an underlying underpinning emotional root cause, the body, if you force the issue, because you know as a therapist coming from an ego place, I can get this fixed. So you've taken the person three steps forward. What's going to happen is their energy field, if I can call it that, their psyche, if you like, isn't prepared to go that far. You've almost pushed that client past the point where they feel comfortable. So physically you've had a release, but what happens? The next time they come back to you, they've actually gone two steps back and that tension's come back in again. So you learn through like you know if you're learning to do metamorphosis or you're learning to do lomi lomi you learn when the physical body is telling you i've taken my two steps forward that's enough for today thank you my body now needs to readjust to that so when i come back i'm still two steps forward and we pick it up again and we move forwards again the longest for example i've done a lomi for was about an hour and a half wow how you long, know, how long do you go in between treatments? How long do you let the person wait till they have another treatment? Again, it all depends what we're actually dealing with and what we want to deal with. I mean, I have regular clients now who, once they've experienced Lomi Lomi, um, as I'll still call it for now, they don't want any other kind of massage because the transformation within Lomi Lomi, like I say, is more than just physical. Because you can set a target, for example, um, one of my clients, she's actually one of my students now as well, when she first um, had Lomi for me, what she wanted to achieve was she was starting to learn to do yoga therapy. She's already a yoga teacher, but she was doing yoga therapy. And the problem that she had, and, and it's quite a common one really, people can take information into the brain, they can articulate it verbally, but when they come to doing homeworks or sitting down especially to do exams, they have a problem communicating brain to hand to write it down on the answer paper mm -hmm. so what we did 
going into the treatment, we visualized, she visualized herself sitting at a beautiful desk with maybe a view over a beautiful garden with not just a biro in her hand, but a beautiful fountain pen, building up this wonderful, wonderful picture, looking at her, her assignments and, and, and actually feeling herself actually just going, oh, yes, I know that one. And, and just literally imagining a hand writing the answer. So when we'd actually finished that treatment, I said to her, okay, how do you feel now when you think about doing your homeworks, doing your assignments, sitting an exam? And she could actually feel the physical difference in her body. And she's never looked back. It's worked. Mm-hmm. So when you're doing all of your treatments, the three that we've, we've already spoken about, do you incorporate aromatherapy as well into them? Yes, essential oils, barring Lomi Lomi, sometimes I'll bring essential oils into it. Sometimes, more often than not, though, I leave it out because it's just a huge thing within itself. But yes, certainly with everything else that I do, essential oils are, you know, the base. They, they'll always come in there somewhere. What Do you have particular ones that you prefer to use in these treatments or does it, does it uh, depend on the individual? No, it depends on the individual as to which oil is pertinent for what they need to take to bring their future self, can I put it that way, into the now. So instead of applying an oil that might be, okay, I'll use the shoulder thing again. You know, they've, they've got this tension in the shoulder. So normally you would sit and think about essential oils like rosemary or marjoram, muscle relaxants, you know, and um, analgesic pain relieving essential oils but actually that's not what you that's not just what you want to do you want to apply the essential oils that connect with the emotion that's causing the block okay. does that make sense yes yeah absolutely it does it all does. right so you're looking at the oils from a wholly different angle for sure when you started when you started bringing these into your area um to me they're, they're new treatments, or they're not new. They're new to me treatments, I should say. I haven't heard mm-hmm. of them before. But when you brought them into your area, how much education did you have to bring with them to get the people to understand, or were they quite readily accepted? Um, pretty much readily accepted. Most people, certainly in the UK, um, maybe not so much the metamorphosis but once you explain to them what's needed especially if you've got a client that comes along and they're very open about maybe there was some kind of childhood trauma um, that they've experienced or something then I'll speak to them about the metamorphosis explain how it works and they're quite open to having it it's a very gentle physical technique I mean it's the lightest of touches um, but it's a huge transformational tool um, um, you know, and then when when they they experience the lomi, I mean, you know, the classic is when sometimes I get students saying I want to learn the the lomi lomi, and of course they've already done some research, maybe um, you know, on the internet, on YouTube, and stuff like that. And one of my more recent ones, in fact, in one of the videos, you can see us sat in the corner of the room because I was doing the demo. Yes. So we just turn a few clips out of that if you see what I mean so we could so we could use it and get it out there and like she said Magdalena said when I'd finished doing the whole treatment on that one who's actually another student of mine who'd also learned it um she just looked at me she had her jaw was almost on the floor and she said and literally she said that's not what I've seen on YouTube but I just know that is proper lommy lommy mm-hmm you know, because she could see, she even felt the energy in the room, how everything was changing in there. You know, it's, we all have walked into rooms, haven't we? And you can go, there's been an argument in here. There's a tension in, just in the air. Yes. Or we walk into a room and we just go, oh, isn't this room fabulous? You just feel this energy in the room. And that's the kind of energy that comes out when you're doing these kind of energetic based therapies. When you teach these therapies, um, do you do it one-on-one or do you have more of a group? Um, what do you prefer? I would, I would say about 70% of the time I teach one-on-one, just like I did this weekend down in, in, in South Wales with Steph. You know, that was one-on-one. Um, not next, this coming week, but the week after, I'm going to be up in Nottingham, for example, and I've got 
three students there you know doing different things during the course of the week and some of them are overlapping so it does vary the the worst class I had was actually oh gosh it must have been about 15 to 20 years ago and I will never ever do it again I had 10 students in one class with five massage tables going at the same time and I just felt that the course went on longer than it should have because I just because at the end of the day, I want to turn out the very, very best of therapists. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. over here in the UK, I'm, I'm literally on a mission to make sure that, and I am going to say this, English aromatherapy and the way we practice aromatherapy is maintained, and certainly clinical aromatherapy, because that seems from, you know, when I did it, and there's other ladies my age who've also gone through the same process I did to do clinical aromatherapy. And between us, we discuss and we're going, sometimes clinical aromatherapy nowadays is nothing like anywhere near as intensive as the course that we did to get our clinical aromatherapy certification. Mm -hmm. So I'm on this huge mission to keep it alive and to pass it on. It's almost becoming my legacy almost, you know, that... We've we've got to keep this alive. I, I you know it's got to keep going because it's so unique. The way clinical aromatherapy works is that you've got these various tools under your belt that you've learnt during your syllabus. That you might start doing a manual lymphatic massage, but that client has got an issue with the shoulder. But actually, one of the best ways to release the shoulder is to break into some lomi lomi. Mm-hmm. So you're going to break out your manual lymphatic, do some lomi lomi there. But then, right towards the end, while you're still working on the back, because you know there's something again from the past, you might then start doing some metamorphic up up and down the spine of the client. Mm -hmm. So that's the way a therapist should be working. They should be pulling on the tools in their box that's appropriate for each client. So never, ever is one treatment repeated like a script on the next person because we're all individual at the end of the day and we're all unique exactly exactly jane right now we're going to take a break and on the other side of the break we're going to be talking about some more of your therapies Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Visit Doreen's website at dmurphydoucette.com and click the radio tab to purchase your supplement and dosha questionnaire. It will allow you to know your body dosha and what supplements, vitamins, and minerals your body requires at any given time. You'll receive a report by email that gives you all of the required information. You'll learn which foods give you your required supplements, and you have the option to purchase your report in printed book form and have it mailed directly to you. Visit dmurphydoucette.com today. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to your daily dose. If you have a question for Doreen Doucette or her guest today, feel free to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to DoreensDailyDose at gmail.com. Now, back to your daily dose. We're back already. You do facial reflexology as well. You do reflexology on the feet. Do you as well do it on the hands? I do it on the hands and you can actually do reflexology on the stomach as well, but I don't really practice that terribly often. That's 
from the first part when I said I went to the Scottish school and learnt more with Douglas Bell. Um, I did learn to do stomach reflexology as well, but I don't really practice that very much. Um, but facial reflex, yes. Um, it's it's a lovely, lovely treatment. And very often now, you know, if clients do like their reflexology, they, they now start saying, as I call it, a top and tail. <laughs> so we do the facial reflex first and then we go into the reflex through the feet. Okay. What are the benefits of the facial reflexology? Okay, so it's it doesn't have as many, if you like, defining areas and some areas will overlap because it's based more on where reflexology came from, which is called zone therapy. Mm-hmm. So it deals more with the meridians of the body. Um, but the added benefits, and especially, you know, for those of us who want to stay looking young and pretty, um, with all those muscles and everything in the face, it increases the circulation to the face. So, you know, it helps to detoxify the skin. It gives it a nice glow to the skin. It tightens up the muscles in the face, you know, to keep that youthful appearance. But you can also, but it's much harder with it's much more delicate because when you find again this blockage if you like within a specific reflex in the face um the the movements are much smaller you won't get the same sort of feelings that you would normally pick up through somebody's feet in a foot reflex Mm -hmm. so you do the hand reflexology as well how beneficial do you find that as compared to the feet Okay, so with the hand reflex, I tend to just hone in on certain areas of the hands if I feel they need it. Because if you're doing reflexology properly through the feet, it's almost like it's enough. But the interesting thing was when I went to study with Douglas Bell as well, um, we did a lot of work with amputees. So obviously with amputees, most people would revert to doing reflexology through the hands. Mm-hmm. But through the way Douglas Bell worked it, and because of the polarity healing, which I did with him as well, we actually did reflexology, and I don't know if I'm being PC correct these days, by calling it on the stump, on the end of the amputation. Yes. And you visualized, if you like, well, if this is the stump, this is where the adrenal would be, this is where the stomach would be, this is where the gallbladder or the kidney or whatever would be. And we would actually do reflexology on the actual stump, Mm -hmm. right on that stump up there. And what we were finding was that, you know, normally with amputees, they're on painkillers for an awful long time, if not almost for the rest of their lives, because obviously the nerve endings still want to, that's why they still get the feeling the foot is still there, for example. And a lot of phantom pain. Phantom pain. So what happens is that phantom area gradually reduces and reduces and reduces so actually the pain stops because the nerves are reprogrammed if you like through doing reflexology reflexology directly (laughs) on the stump reduces it back to there and therefore that is where the nerve ending stops it doesn't try if you like to go all the way down to the now phantom foot Okay. And it's interesting, there was um, a really good friend of mine, she was a radiographer, and sometimes people, say for example, will get maybe their gallbladder removed, um, or their appendix, you know, and sometimes they still get twinges in those areas and a little bit of discomfort, um, and they just put it down, oh yeah, well it was, you know, just a residue from the operation and what have you, but it was interesting because my friend said to me, you know, very often, and we actually call them phantoms because they show up on x-rays they'll show up it's almost like Korean photography it'll show like an outline of where the gallbladder should have been or where say the appendix should have been hmm. as though it's still that again the nerve endings trying to send a signal to something that no longer exists okay now can you explain what your thermoauricular therapy is Oh, okay. So that's the technical name for hop ear candling. Okay. Yeah. So that is, well, people have seen it, haven't they? You know, where somebody's lying on their side and they've got the candles lit at the end in their ear. Yes. 
Yeah. So that one helps with uh, conditions like headaches, sinusitis, people with glue ear, excessive wax in the ear. Because the last thing you want to do if your ears do produce excess wax is actually go and start getting them syringed because that will actually start making the ear produce even more. Um, you know, we shouldn't really be trying to clear clean our ears out with cotton buds yep. and things because we can compact any wax in there and the more you actually fiddle about with the inside of your ear you're you're stimulating that and the ear will produce more wax you're better leaving leave your ears alone if there's any you know people think their ears get dirty no your ears don't actually get dirty there are sebaceous glands inside your ear to keep the ear moist because we're getting a lot of it with this coronavirus now, aren't we? Where they're saying, you know, the coronavirus goes in through the nose, through the mouth, yes. watch your eyes, but it also goes in through your ears. They'll go in through there. So it's like the mucous membranes in your nose. You know, they've got protective coverings in there and your ears need to produce that wax. And if the wax, as we call it, the oiliness, if you like, needs to come out it starts coming out anyway and all you need to do is just use your towel you know after your shower and just wipe your ear quite cleanly around then is any excess it'll come out that way we shouldn't really be fiddling about with our ears so we actually end up with these problems you know that'll affect the eustachian tube so we get some people get repeat sinus problems because the eustachian tube isn't clearing properly. So the vacuuming effect of a hoppy ear candle is a much gentler and natural way of drawing that out. And if you've been infused with various herbs, say like chamomile or lavender, those then help the healing process in there. Okay. So exactly what, what do you do? Do you have a specific candle that you use or do you just use any of candle okay uh, what, so, what's the what's the what's the process right so the actual process for me when I do that kind of treatment especially if it's a case of headaches sinus type headaches sinus problems uh, because sinus problems can affect teeth and give you teeth you know toothache and things so what I will do I will do a lymphatic drainage massage on the face first to get the lymph system flowing and all the way down the neck then I'll do the candling process. And then when we've done the candling, you go back in again and again do some more lymphatic drainage all around that area of the face. And I very often will incorporate some essential oils into that as well to help the clearing and the decongesting of the sinuses. Now, is this safe to do, the ear candling? Oh, gosh, yes. I've even done it on my children when they were like little children, like two and three years old. Yeah, it's, it's very safe. Very safe. Okay, because I was thinking um, there are some areas that they, they have been concerned with people being burnt. Well, yeah, okay. Yes, and sometimes you will see um, people will have a like a little dish that they will put over that area first. Mm -hmm. So if any of the parts of the candle do fall off, you know, the burnt off part, which could still be hot, then yes, that's going to catch that and it's not going to make contact with the skin. But if you're doing it properly, that, that shouldn't be an issue. And I tend to use the actual Biosun. Um, they were one of the first original ones to bring them out um, I, because I'm, I'm much, I just much prefer the composition of their candles, what they put in their candles and the better quality. Okay. I think there are some insurance companies who are having issues now with the ear candling. Because I don't okay. think there's, I don't think there's enough training that's gone into it actually. Not proper, no. I mean, because the thing is, with the hop ear candling as well, um, you know, people can order them off the internet, follow the instructions on the packaging, and actually just lie down on your side and I'll stick this candle in your ear. Yeah. You know, and then and they're not recognising that. Oh God, you know, this bit of hot candle can, it, it it's 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for? The ash, isn't it, from the candle, if you like. Yes. Yes. Yep. Another thing that I saw on your site that um, that really interested me was you also perform past life journeys. Ah. Uh. <laughs> I have I've experienced a past life journey myself, but you are doing it a little bit differently. Mine was done under hypnosis. Mm -hmm. um, you do not do hypnosis. Nope. Okay. So nope. explain yours. Okay, so I've tended to run that. I have done it on the odd occasion with individuals who don't want to be sitting in a group session. I tend to run it as a workshop. But what we do, we, we 
instead of focusing on, you know, most people think of past life, oh, go and find out when I was burnt at the stake when I was a witch. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, okay, that could be a little bit of fun. But you've also be careful, you know, again, it's this Pandora's box. What, what are you digging and delving into? I come at it from a totally different angle where I'm saying, you know, if – I'm still on the fence with have we or haven't we had past lives or have these actually passed down through the DNA as memories, you know, from our ancestors. But what I do know with my experiences of it, there's so much of it then that people come back and say there was this place, it was called this and this happened there or, you know, I experienced that. And you start doing searches, especially now in the days where we've got the Internet. And you're going, oh, my God, that place actually exists. You know, there's, there's all these little things, that nuances and what have you, even to the point where somebody's come back with names and they've done searches, gone back historically, and they found that person actually existed. That, by the by, my approach to it is, okay, yeah, everybody has, even in our current lives, we've gone through stresses and traumas and things like that. But we've also had good things. Yeah. So when I take people back and what I tend to do is I tend to use a guided visualization and take them back and back to something specific because we've got a target. And what we're actually looking for is that missing link that was a positive thing that you haven't brought through in this current life. So by using essential oils, and I also use radiesthesia or, or using a pendulum to keep it simple, so that we can actually target where, which country do we need to go to? Because, you know, you, you didn't have all your past lives in the UK or in Canada or wherever it was. That's you know, right. you, you could be somewhere else. So we go back there and we, I take people back to finding that positive thing that they feel is missing. And it could be somebody who says, you know, I'm doing this job, I love my job, but I know this isn't the right job for me, but I don't know where I want to go, what job, and I don't mind if I have to retrain, you know, but I know I'm not feeling fulfilled, but there's something missing. So I'll, we take them back, and I take them back and say, okay, let's find a past life where you absolutely loved a job, and you just leave your imagination, if you like, open, and all of a sudden something starts coming through. And with the use of the essential oils as well, it takes them back there and brings them back forward. And they bring that with them and they, they have that eureka moment and go, oh, why didn't I think of that? Of course, I've already got so much experience in this, this and this. I need to bring them together and I can do that. And I would be so happy doing that. You know, relationships even. You know, very often you'll hear people saying, oh, you know, you meet somebody for the first time and you're going, gosh you know you fall into a really good friendship and by the end of that conversation you're both feeling like you're so familiar I feel like I've known you all my life and we've only been talking for an hour mm -hmm. now when you say that you sometimes use a pendulum when you use the pendulum does that not bring people into a sort of a hypnosis state no not really no no no, no. So how are no. you relaxing them and calming them to go into another another place, if it be? Okay, so what I, what I will do, um, we'll take it as, as though I'm doing it one-on-one. -on -one. I will pick up the person's energy field through the pendulum, what it is they're targeting. The pendulum then, out of a range of oils, will select the, the oil or maybe a combination of oils that that person needs to use. So then they're inhaling those oils while we're going into the guided visualization and relaxing that person back and back and back into the place that they need to be. And the oil helps them access that. Okay. Yeah. So, again, because this could be an individual thing, if you are in a group session, um, how, how, what's the length of time that you allow this to happen? Normally when I run that, I, I run that one over five sessions, or is it six? It might even be six. Um, and we do that for about a couple of hours, for a couple, um, couple of hours every sort of couple of weeks. And at the end of that session, each person that's in that group 
I then send them away as well with what I call the sniffy sticks, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the nasal inhalers, you know, like you get yeah. with Vicks nasal inhalers. Yeah. Uh, and in that is their personal blend so that during the fortnight, they can use that. They can go and reaccess that place, pick up more information so that they become more confident with the information they're getting through and start putting it into action. So when we regroup again in two weeks time, the first thing we'll do is go through the group and people they've got fabulous stories then to say you're not going to believe what I've done since the last session I've gone and done this I've gone and signed up for this course I've jacked in my job you know all these kind of things and then we go right now we know where everybody's at now this is the next stage for you this is the next stage for the other person but also it's interesting because as those five six weeks go on it's almost like um have you heard in sort of like in meditation groups it becomes a closed circle Mm -hmm. because it becomes familiar energy for everybody yes yeah Yeah. so it almost becomes like a group closed energy around that and some fabulous friendships have come out of it you know and, and holding each other's hands almost on their own personal journeys and people chipping in and chiming in and maybe you know if somebody's talking about a particular thing that they've experienced during their um you know going backwards maybe somebody there knows a bit about the history if you like from that time period okay and have they you, can put their input have you had any that's gone in the opposite direction that well, you, whether you, that with, with their experience that it wasn't a good experience that they've had a really bad experience by by coming into the group and doing this and what would you do about that yes there have been one or two but behind that negative experience should we put that yes obviously as a therapist is the way I can handle that and deal with it and you know and do the appropriate action that's needed with that um but behind that one even though it's, it's like I say to people I think we mentioned this last time I was on didn't I you know some people can smell an oil and they're just going oh no and they literally almost recoil from the onset I don't want to smell that yeah keep that smell away from me because it trick what it's actually doing is is reminding you of a negative impact that has happened to you so what you could i do then within that if something negative does happen to come through behind it they have to dig a little bit deeper there is actually something positive in there but the first thing that's come back is this negative impact but behind it there is something else that is actually the positive thing that they have to bring into this life so if someone um, had this experience and they were in a group, would you work with them after that one-on-one to get them to, to find the positives? Uh, yes, but I've never found that that's never needed to be done. I mean, it's seriously, when, when, I, when I deal with it in a group situation like that, it is to focus on the positive thing that you've forgotten, shall we say, to bring into this life um and i think it's only ever happened a couple of times ever where somebody's had the blocked wall if you like and a negative experience coming through first okay but they're also mature enough to know that but that was then it's not now it's not happening to me right now but the memory of it might be upsetting and there might be a few tears and a little bit of anxiety going on but again because they're using the oils i will then perhaps bring in different oils to calm the anxiety and to bring back the refocusing on what's going on okay um of all of your therapies is there is there one that i haven't touched on today that you feel we should hear about and know about uh, I can't think of one. I think you've pretty much gone through my website, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> I did. Uh, I did. You know, I, I also, obviously, I'm a Reiki master as well. Um, so there's the energy part of it, if you like, of all the work that I do. But at the end of the day, the way I work and the way I train my clinical aromatherapist to work, not the aromatherapist, but the clinical ones, is that they have the same sort of tools that they can draw on. So again, no one therapy is above the other because each one has its purpose and its time and place that needs to be drawn on. Okay. So between an aromatherapist and a clinical aromatherapist, the differences Mm -hmm. are what? Big, huge. (laughs) 
Um, besides learning a whole heap more of essential oils, carrier oils, floral waters and stuff, <coughs> here in the UK, because I want to distinguish as well the difference between the aromatherapy, over in, sort of, say like over in America and things, um, what they call aromatherapy over there, we would call an essential oil practitioner over here. Um, because they only study the essential oils and then they do the consultation, what needs to be sorted, and they make the appropriate blend of essential oils, you know, in whatever medium that that person's needing to use the oils in to take home and use almost like a prescriptive medication, if you like. Whereas here in the UK, tied in within the that essential oil practitioner part of it, we also have the massage therapy and in the UK aromatherapy level it tends to normally be Swedish massage that you learn all right so when you go up to clinical though it's it's a whole heap up again so traditional clinical aromatherapy would incorporate another massage technique in my syllabus's case it would be the the manual lymphatic drainage you should also learn an other therapy in my syllabus it's the reflexology but building on all of that besides all the extra oil studies that you had to do you start looking at anatomy and physiology and in particular the pathology in greater depth um i've also because i then spent you know after i got my clinical aromatherapy within mine i was lucky with my teacher she taught us the facial reflexology she also taught us the, the actual metamorphic technique um but then i went off and did more again like most you know therapists will they'll go that would be a useful add-on to me so i added a bit of kinesiology to mine i've added the the, the reiki i've added the the lomi massage the kuna massage you know so it's an even bigger course, if you like, and I've also incorporated, uh, because at first, after I'd qualified, my teacher phoned me and said, you've got to come on this weekend workshop. We've got this lady coming along. She was very, very well known in the UK here as a crystal healer, but she used a pendulum, like a lot of crystal healers do anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but she's going to teach us how to use the pendulum to select the essential oils. And to me, it was a bit woo-woo at the time. And I said, no, nah, not interested. That, that, I, I couldn't base it in theory. I couldn't base it in logic, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. something else happened, which I won't go into just now because it was a bit woo-woo. Um, and this lady said to me, she had no idea, but she said, you've, you've got to go on a course, haven't you? You've been asked to go on a course. You've got to do this course. And I thought, that's, that's that course Irene wants me to do. Okay, I'll go down to Glasgow again. I'll do this. And I learned how to do this dowsing, and I was completely and utterly blown away. And it completely changed the way and the angle I come in at with the essential oils when the dowser come, when I bring, bring the dowser into play. Mm -hmm. And I learned more about my essential oils that way and how they relate to each individual client than I did from any book or any chemistry book or anything. Wow. So a lot of people should be looking to you to study under you. Certainly in the UK, yeah. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Jane, I, I, it's, you know, again, our time is up. And I'd really like to thank you again for joining me, especially after you've had a long weekend and a long drive. I hope that you are going to take the rest of your evening and just relax and enjoy it and have a really good night's sleep tonight. I think I deserve a glass of red wine now. <laughs> you absolutely do. You absolutely. So you enjoy that. And thanks again, Jane, for coming on. Thank you for asking me, Doreen. It was lovely. Thank Take you. Take care. And I'd like, bye -bye. To thank, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in and listening to Jane one more time. Uh, there's so much information that she has to offer. I'll be back again next week. And until then, I wish everyone your best health. Thank you for joining us for your daily dose. Be sure to tune in again next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for another edition with your host, Doreen Doucette. We'll see you then.